and welcome to another episode of Perspectives with Jeremiah Stevenson. I have a special guest today, not that any of my other guests aren't special, but a dear friend of mine, Matthew Colvin. How's it going, Matt? It's been a long time coming to be here, and I, I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of really <laughs> geeking out right now, because I've been listening to this podcast since you started, Yeah, it's like, oh, I'm one of the people whose voices is there now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you get to hear yourself on the show. Um... Matt is a director and an artist and a wonderful human being. Uh, how's your day going? Tiring, but good. Yeah. Pre-production. We actually, yeah, <laughs> pre-production. He's in the process of uh, pre-production for his feature film. Um, and I've assisted a little bit with that. And I will You've continue. been a godsend with it. I try. I definitely try. Uh, I will continue to do as much as I can. Where to start? So we just finished recording our last, our, our other podcast. Matt and I have a podcast together, Common Sense. It's wonderful. We just shoot the shit, get crazy. And get nerdy as fuck. It's super nerdy. Oh my god. <laughs> if you want to listen to us argue about the Batmobile, which oh, one's Jesus. better, that I pissed him off. That was fun. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Like, I don't like to say it like this, but you legit triggered me. Like, I did, yeah, bro. That's what I'm here to do. I'm here to trigger it's, people. Just call it the fucking Batmobile. That's like, I can swear, right? Yeah, you can okay. say whatever you want. <laughs> it, do what the fuck you want. This is America. At least where we're recording this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. So I always start off with, um, who are you and what is your story? Uh, I guess I'm just, I'm a normal kind of like nerdy dude who was born in Atlanta in 1993. And then, then we moved over to Becoming Georgia, which I know the Pornhub has a lot of fun with. <laughs> I have to make that joke now. I never thought about that joke until like I got to middle school and I told people I was from Coming. They're like, because <laughs> it's spelled the same Yeah, way. it's C-U-M-M-I-N-G. And then Pornhub, they legit gave all the <laughs> residents of Coming Georgia free Pornhub premium for like, I don't know how long, but that was the article and shit. And I was it's, like, that's wild. It's still funny, and of course that happens after I move. Yeah. But yeah, it, yeah, I, I, I grew up there and basically just my imagination just grew and festered for years yeah. um, i lost my father when i was seven years old he was my biggest hero slash friend slash mm-hmm. source of like creativity and learning that was really hard and especially this past july yeah that was that was the 19th anniversary so next mm-hmm. year's the big 20 yeah and that's like this is actually a weird thing this year and starting out on such a dark note no but, it's okay. that's, but, that's, but, that's life though like, yeah that's what yeah. like we go from things that are very dark, but like from that darkness, you can find some happiness. You can find humanity in it, and I think that's one of the things that we need to not clear or stay away from. Is there? It needs to be there. Yeah, it's it needs just to the be amount. There. Yeah, and if you can properly function past it, and not past it, but if you can properly function and heal from that, and learn how to function within that new reality, I think you'll be okay. See, he words everything so well, and then he handed to me who it's like, if I have 15 minutes to write something, oh, yes, it'll be the most profound thing I've ever written. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, yeah, now I have to, like, put words together, and yeah. I'm awkward. But, uh, yeah, the biggest thing with that was, with this year, is this is the first time he's buried over at Arlington here in Atlanta, and it was the first time I actually got to go to the grave um, on the day that, you know, basically yeah. my life changed forever, and it really hit me in the face and what's kind of cool about it is he's very next to my grandparents too nice. those as in my mom's parents not his parents and mm. i never knew them but um my both thankfully both my mom's parents adored him and it's kind of funny because yeah he wasn't much older or younger than them yeah uh we oh, wow. a little bit of personal family stuff but we found out after my dad died that he he had a lot of insecurities mm. and one of them was his age and he basically said he was 10 years younger than he actually was. Oh, wow. Actually this past August he would have been 80. So that's, oh, wow. yeah, that's weird. Yeah. That's wild. <laughs> it's weird, but you know, he it doesn't change the fact that he was a loving father and I yeah. miss him every day. Yeah. But yeah, it was really weird being there at that point and just really, I guess, processing all of that emotion, you know, and the time that's passed since then and really understanding that, 19 years has passed that's a long freaking time and yeah. it's just it was weird but it was it was nice at the same time i had a beautiful conversation with my mom afterwards and i just called her and i was in tears and you know i just was honest and she just basically told me what it was like for her with her parents and she said you know i know they're gone but i feel like they're still here mm-hmm. and i i will because i lost my mom yeah what three years ago now three years ago i guess yeah jesus uh, and that it is very much, she's not physically here, but you still feel that presence. Yeah. yeah. It's, that's definitely a real thing. You know, it was kind of to add to that, uh, my grandfather who it's 10 years since he passed away this, uh, this past June, um, 
our friend Lane Silva mm-hmm. and I were uh, he was helping me uh, uh, transfer some footage from an old DV mini DV tape. Uh, I, I sat my grandfather down. He had dementia and it was starting to get really bad. So I sat him down and we I had him tell me his war stories because he served in uh, the Navy during the Second World War and you know. Looking back over that footage, I hadn't seen it since college, which mm. has been a number of years. And, um, you know, seeing that again, and he's the he's the most recent person, like close person in my life who has passed away, who was a family member. And it was really weird because I was watching the video and it's just like, oh, yeah, I just haven't been to his house in a while. Like, yeah. he still, it still feels like he's here. It's mm. like, I mean, no, not to be cheesy, but to kind of quote The Lion King, he lives in you. That's like, yeah. It's a really profound thing, and it's really something that I feel like I'm understanding more and more as an adult. Now, what was your childhood like before your father passed? Um, I was spoiled rotten. I'll be completely honest. About that. <laughs> My mom can attest to that. But it, it was it was kind of beautiful. Not the spoiling part, but just like I just felt like my create, my, yeah, my creative boundaries were limitless. Mm-hmm. And anything that came to mind, I just found some sort of way to manifest, whether it's in some drawings, which I've been drawing basically since I came out of the womb. Yeah. But uh, yeah, either in drawing or with playing with my toys, because my biggest thing, as you can see by the, we're at my home now. Yeah, this, <laughs> is the first, this is the second episode that I'm not recording in my house. No, third. Third episode that I'm not recording in my bedroom. You're not at the home field. I We're not at the home field. But it's also <laughs> because it's very much like if you've all listened to Derek Cowan's episode where he describes my room think of my room but bigger with more action figures and posters it's fucking awesome I'm 26 it. years old and I have more Star Wars figures than I think I had when I was a kid I don't care <laughs> but it was, it was it's a thing where having the toys when I was a kid because I had like it was right before Kenner transitioned to Hasbro mm-hmm. uh, with the Star Wars license and so they were the big jacked like muscly like like ridiculously ripped like i have a han solo that looks like it's han solo on steroids but you know that was what i had and it, it, it kind of really deep in or dig deep into it it was kind of like my first experience really being kind of a director mm-hmm. is i had like all i had my cast of characters I had the extras the backgrounds yeah. like stormtroopers and rebel soldiers and it was just like i would have my own scenes mm-hmm. and i would i knew very clearly how i wanted to i always i didn't have a camera but i would always like sit in the perspective i wanted to see yeah and you know when i was up until i was 12 12 is when i really decided i want to try this directing thing for real but it was weird how everything kind of led to that without me even considering mm-hmm. it. but like everything just kind of life flows to a way where it's like hey this is what's kind of inside of me what's built into me and life kind of takes you to that trajectory yeah and and, and in the words of jeff goldblum uh life finds a way yeah (laughs) so um, i'm also a a bit of an impressionist i like to think of myself as if you listen to our other uh podcasts like we (laughs) spend like half of an episode just doing voices and it's oh my gosh our our kirk back and forth were kind of very good poetically beautiful (laughs) um how did your life change after your dad passed Shit got serious. Mm. Not like serious, like everything was like super Christopher Nolan type butthole serious. <laughs> but it was like, but and I love Christopher Nolan, but we'll get to that. Or listen to our podcast. <laughs> yeah, for we definitely talked about that. But uh, it's just like, I just got a healthy dose, of, or not healthy, a weird dose of reality. Like yeah. I, I understood mortality a lot sooner than I did when, like the most kids did. Because most kids, I feel like they experience it through like a grandparent or mm-hmm. like an elderly relative that passed. And like for my dad to have died like within the first seven years of my life was yeah. really weird. And I, I don't, it's weird because I processed it in ways where it would manifest in different forms. Mm-hmm. One thing was I would kind of go about the funerary. I guess experience of like like I, I have like a bunch of my stuffed animals and I have one like on a pillow and it'd be like we're having like a little eulogy because I I didn't actually attend my father's funeral oh, wow. I went to the visitation and I didn't go to the funeral just because it would have been too much my yeah. mom my mom suspects and I think she was right and so it was kind of like I was trying to find my own ways to say goodbye because it's either that or like you know like if I like be playing with my toys and a character would die or something mm-hmm. it's like I really take a moment instead of being like oh no keep going he did what he could you know yeah. like it what it it made me linger on that stuff a bit more and. Maybe it was a little bit too much, but it actually helped me mm-hmm. because it's like I'm acknowledging it, I'm seeing it for what it is, and I just keep going. Yeah. And it's not about sitting there and being sad all the time. Like honestly, like, my creativity really blossomed, honestly, because that's all I had. Like I dove headfirst into Star Wars. I discovered Indiana Jones, which is one of my favorite things in the fucking world. Yeah. And it was just like my imagine I just dove into my imagination as my escape mm-hmm. and 
you know, maybe it gave me an extended adult, not adolescence, but extended like childlike mindset. I still feel like a kid, even yeah. though I'm 26 and I have my Freaking own health insurance you. now, which is weird. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it, it's just, I don't know. I think it's just, it helped me process everything. Yeah. What did high school, so seven, were you middle school? What did middle school look like? How I'm going through your life. Bro. Oh, yeah, like, no, that's no, how I, yeah, I literally go well, through your life. I did th- it was weird because middle school, I had one year incoming. Because mm-hmm. the whole thing is in fifth grade, this is probably going way too far. No, we're going as deep as we can. We're, dude, we're only 11 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> well, excuse me. Um, when I was in fourth grade, that was my last year at Dave's Creek Elementary, which was amazing. But we, it wasn't like I did anything bad. I didn't hurt anybody. I wasn't capable of doing that then. But, um, <laughs> then. That, exactly. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, there was this weird redistricting thing. It's like you could go to this one, you could stay in the same, you could stay at Dave's Creek and keep going, or you could go to this other uh, elementary school, Mashburn, which was closer to my house, which was kind of nice. But it's like you had to essentially start over, mm-hmm. but it would get you to, it's basically all about like where, which, which school was closest or whatever, and it was all leading to high school. It's a bunch of logistical local government bullshit. Yeah. Long story short, I went there and, you know, that I actually worked a lot better there than my mom and I expected. Oh, nice. So when she got remarried and we moved to St. Simon's and I started at like Glen Middle and everything, it was just a very strange transition. It was a very strange age time to transition because I had like the one year at Mashburn, we went to Otwell or I went to Otwell and then after that, like, right, you know, I feel like with sixth grade and middle school is like when you start to kind of like really become more of like kind of your, not so much adult self, but more like you start thinking of things in more of an adult teenage perspective. Mm. And it was a really weird time to move because I was just like starting to really understand how to like tell girls I like them and all that weird <laughs> stuff. And yeah, and then to be kind of like uprooted like that. And I don't say this like damn my mom or my stepdad or anything like that. It's just it's just how it was. Yeah, absolutely. And we've had a really couple of nice conversations where we've it's been illustrated on both sides how mm-hmm. it is. But yeah, going to Glen Middle, it was just weird because it was just it was just a different dynamic. Just how pe- people were there. They you know there was like the kind of like income inequality or whatever. Yeah. And it, it, I didn't realize how big of a thing that was until I went to Glen Middle. Cause it was like, you had the kids that, you know, they were clearly going to get a fucking BMW when they turned 16 for their first car. And then you had <laughs> other kids that would be lucky if they ever got a car at all. Yeah. And it was just, I don't know. I, I guess like I had this kind of like childlike naivete about things. And I, again, had a nice dose of reality. And that's like, that it's not always like, you know, sunshine rainbows yeah 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 <laughs> but it was nice it took me a while to make friends though honestly like i didn't really make a good core group of friends until high school okay and even then it, it flexed and waned and yeah. changed and all that but what was high school like for you hard yeah it was just i was uh, you know there's so many clicks in high school mm. and i never really fit into any one of them i was just kind of the one weird kid who was really artsy and nerdy and wanted to make you movies. felt like the other the other yeah yeah I That's, guess well, I had to find the other, I guess. No, the other, it's just, you don't the feel. The outsider. No, it's not even the outsider. It's just, you're not a part of everything else. You're just the I other. was coexisting. You're, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, you know, thankfully, uh, my two of my dearest friends, uh, Samuel Arbo and Richard Saylor, they were kind of, they kept me locked down. I think that was like, honestly, as it sounds, it was probably junior year of high school when that wow. happened. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's just, it's just how it is. And you, I don't, I'm not mad or resentful of it. It was just a different thing and people go through different things. How do you think that high school experience crafted you and shaped you right before college? Or did college shape you more than high school? College did more so because I was around people who were like me and I didn't feel like the other anymore. Yeah. I was like, oh, wow, there's other people here who want to make movies. Like my, <laughs> one of my best friends from college, uh, Grant Martin, I met him on orientation day. I'm sitting there. I'm talking to this other guy, Dakari, who I haven't talked to in years. Dakari, I hope you're doing well. <laughs> but um, what was it? Grant comes up and he's like, did I hear you make short films? I'm like, I have found Mecca. <laughs> you know, I have found I have found my home with my people. And it was it was great, but it was hard. And I wish... In hindsight, with college, I wish I had spent more time, like, mm-hmm. being more social and enjoying the time with friends rather than sitting there just obsessing over studies or what have you. Yeah. Not that I was a huge bookworm. I know you said you're not a huge bookworm, but were you so engrossed into the classes and engrossed into what you were learning that you were just like, I got to kind of, like, keep my space from people? In high school, fuck no. Okay. Like, uh, and it was weird. Up through, I want to say, sixth grade, I took school seriously like i gave a shit about my assignments my mom would help me and all that stuff 
And then once once we moved, I was just like, okay, well, that's done. I'm done for the day. And I really did not do my homework a whole lot. My grades suffered. Yeah. And, you know, in hindsight, if I wanted to go to, you know, a more prestigious school, I guess it would have been harder. But it kind of just fell into play the way mm-hmm. it happened. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I even with Full sale, the problem was because we were on an accelerated schedule. Like, we did a four-year degree in two years. And I'm yeah. not saying that because I'm a fucking genius or anything. <laughs> I'm not. I, there are way smarter people out there. I'm dating one of them. But it's like... A thing where we, we like we had like a semester's worth of material compressed into a month, mm. and you know, I smoked weed in college. I wasn't really a, a weed person until college, just because I had to have something to just like decompress from all that shit. Yeah, and admittedly, that probably in a way kind of kept me from some friends I wish I hadn't pushed away. But mm. you know, it was all about survival. It was really really weird. It felt like a full time job, but yeah. I hadn't really had experience with that. Yeah, what was life like after college hard yeah. because i still am figuring out my place in the world mm-hmm. and you know a lot of my classmates shit that's about to get really real no. um a lot of my classmates you know i'm happy for them but they are a lot more farther along in their careers and i'm still i still feel like i'm starting even though i've really started a number of times but mm-hmm. it's just like i feel like i keep having to start up it's, it's like someone trying to like start a lawnmower yeah. or a fucking like leaf blower mm-hmm. you know they just keep cranking it mm-hmm. but i really feel that this movie is going to be the thing and if not if, the, if for, I'm, tr- I'm i'm trying to not have myself think of like the what or if it doesn't work out kind of yeah. things but i truly feel that if some if the movie doesn't manifest whether it's the funding or what have you I'm going to be fine. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, I've completed my first screenplay. I have done two subsequent drafts of it. It gets better with each one. It's easier to write a script. Mm-hmm. I was amazed by how, you know, you, you kind of have this idea of like, oh, I'll write a script. And it's like, you've got this mountain you have to scale. Yeah. But then once you actually do it, it's like, it's like going up a fucking stairwell. It's not that <laughs> bad. Yeah. So I've been finding my place. Like one of my favorite, you know, one of our, biggest subjects in our podcast is superhero movies and mm-hmm. probably like my all-time favorite superhero movie is man of steel mm-hmm. it's not perfect but you know i saw it th- i think three days three or four days before my uh 20th birthday yeah i was terrified i had no idea who i was or how i fit into the world and i had a lot of insecurities so seeing the most powerful man in the world you know as clark Kent, superman going through the same vulnerabilities meant the fucking world to me. Yeah. And just being like, you know, it's, it's all going to be okay. Just follow your gut. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, it's funny. Cause that's when I really like started reading Superman comics and really got to love Superman as a character. Cause I'm like, wow, I actually see myself in a character. I'm a skinny motherfucker. And, and like, <laughs> I look at Henry Cavill and now I can actually relate to it. It's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Um, Dang, there's a lot to unpack and yeah. just go through. This is fun. I didn't mean to go so no, real this from is, the no, start. This is good. No, I was on the. We had somebody else on the show, and like we literally just started out, and I love it. I love it because then we can go through all that and then get to whatever else you want to talk about. Life and death is Life. a shameless continuum. It's all the same thing, man. Murph, <laughs> Murph. <laughs> I love to do my eye thing where I'm like Murph. <laughs> um. When you do that, it makes me think of Zoidberg from Futurama, like the eyes going separate directions. It trips me up. But oh, I we saw one like over at uh, DragonCon. Yeah, like a Zoidberg cosplayer? Yeah, Whoa. huge, like fucking huge shit. It was wow. wild. Uh, Leah has the pictures. I'll make sure I get those to you. There must get me the pictures. <laughs> I shall. I shall get you all. <laughs> so, we kind of got all the life thus far. That's which, my <laughs> wife! There we go. Um, what was... We're going to go back to the relationship with your dad. Yes, please. And having that loss, let's talk about the loss. Sure. Like for a little bit. How did that affect you throughout middle school and high school? Shit, I've never really thought about it that way. I guess, and this carried into that, but the biggest thing, like I had friends in uh, like the neighborhood I played with, um, you know, Andrew Matthew Prello and Keegan Phillips, all of you, we still talk to this day. Nice. It makes me so happy because I love and cherish all of them, Marissa and Elizabeth, all of y'all, Michael Diorio, I love all of you, even if we don't talk all the time, but the fact that we still talk, talk that's something like my mom didn't talk, my mom's still not like in contact with some of her like childhood friends. Oh wow. It's, so it's it, you know that's something I feel like that's new with our generation is like mm-hmm. we have you know that's the one upside of sub- social media. One of the upsides is like you can rediscover your old friends and yeah. like rekindle things. And even though it's different it's yeah. it's cool and but for me like the hardest thing with losing my dad was I lost my best friend. Mm-hmm. He was like the person I could 
I could be 120% unapologetically myself around. Yeah. And there was not an ounce of judgment in that man when he looked at me or talked to me. Mm-hmm. And it was just weird not to have that person there. But honestly, as cheesy as it sounds, the thing that kept me going was I thought of... Sorry if I get emotional. No, it's totally fine. But um, I thought of um, when um, Obi-Wan dies in Star Wars and how he kind of comes and reoccurs to Luke throughout the movies. And I just thought of my dad as my Jedi Master. Hell yeah. Fuck, dude. <laughs> oh, fuck. No, but that's yeah, fucking it was, beautiful. It was, uh, it was hard, but I always kind of... Going back to that, it was like, even though like it's not like I have this blue... You must go to the Dagobahs and stuff. You know, I didn't have that, but it was like I always felt like I had his presence around me, or that like he had my back, and mm-hmm. it was really nice. So it's like even though he was gone, he wasn't really. Yeah, and that really that helped. But yeah, like I think particularly in middle school, um, I think it would have helped me like figure out how to talk to girls and stuff, and be like more, <laughs> like, you know, kind of taking the steps towards that. If I had my dad instead, like. Because my mom's telling me, like, oh, just be yourself and all this. And of course, as a kid, it's like, what do I fucking say? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, and I did some kind of weird, cringy stuff just trying to talk. It, like, it wasn't anything really that cringy, but to me, every time I think of it. Yeah, because it's you. You're like, yeah, oh, God, it's disgusting. Um, how did the introduction of your stepdad, how did that play into your life? What is that relationship like? It was great to start and I don't say that like and then all change for the Fire Nation attack. No, no, no. No, it, it was just it was great because it was like this new exciting thing. I had this like, you know, kind of father figure in my life and he was really excited to be a part of our family and bring us in, bring us as a part of his family. But and I don't say this is anything against him. We're just very different people and it's hard for it was hard for me to go from like my dad who was like very much like me, very creative, very kind of emotional, very, you know, where can you, my imagination take me next? And Mike is just much more of the, like, you know, left brain, kind of, mm-hmm. you know, logical numbers, all that kind of stuff, which is awesome. And yeah. it's definitely, like, helped him get where he's been in life. It's just one of those things where there was just always kind of this rift between yeah. us. And it was never necessarily a hostile one. Mm-hmm. But it, there, there were times. But, you know, it's just that's just the friction with it. But I, I'm, I know a number of people who have had, like, stepdads and it hasn't been great. Yeah. And even though Mike and I have had my our highs and lows, he's... He, I know he really loves me and I love him and he is really good to my mom and yeah. you know he's he's done a lot without asking for anything and that's, that's very that's really good yeah. yeah and he's always a good voice or reason like it's funny like I wouldn't have ever thought this would have happened but we were talking earlier on our podcast I did a World War 2 movie mm-hmm. in high school and the 10 year anniversary is coming up on that which is <laughs> but uh what's funny was i was trying to figure out if i should add this like i think it was like i, I want to add like a bullet impact or something you know i just got an after effects and i was just like oh i can do all this shit now yeah and i was asking his feedback on, like do you think this looks good or not he and he gave me actually some really good honest feedback where he said well look it would work but he's like i don't think it's really gonna have the impact you would have where i feel like you get the same impact by just leaving it out and I left it out, and it works great. Nice. So, nice. Yeah. The relationship with your mom, how did that look like after your dad's passing? It was hard for both of us because my dad was the fun one, and my <laughs> mom was the disciplinary. And I hate that that's how it was. But it, And we've had really good conversations about this. We had one like about two years ago where we talked about that, and she said, you know, if that had been how it was, like if he had not died and that had continue to be a thing she's like that would have been probably a problem down the line but she said you know i'm glad for the time you had him that's what it was like yeah because obviously with you know me telling you about we found out some stuff about my dad after yeah. he died. nothing too crazy mm-hmm. but the age thing is pretty crazy yeah but yeah it, my mom understandably had a lot of anger and feelings towards negative feelings towards him which I completely understand. Yeah. If I was in her shoes, I'd be like the most resentful asshole in the face of the earth. <laughs> Not saying she was, but um, so I, I know it was hard for her because I kind of put my dad on this pedestal as being like I said, my Jedi Master, and mm-hmm. you know her to kind of not be that. And you know, it was just it was just weird, but you know, the move was the hardest because for her, she hit the jackpot in the mm-hmm. sense that it's just like she finally gets to you know move to the beach, live at the beach, you know. She's married to a guy who's very much like her. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they have the same views on a lot of things. They have a lot of the same interests. And they just clicked really well, which that was the best part about when they were dating is just seeing my mom, like, happy again. Nice. It was awesome. That's sweet. But, like, when we moved, it was just kind of like, and this is something that is reflected in my screenplay, as you know. Mm-hmm. 
that it wasn't the package deal for me too you know yeah. just because it was great for her it wasn't great for me and it took a while for us both to have the understanding and, kind of, and talk about it. it actually was the screenplay that helped us kind of cross that bridge yeah. and honestly i haven't had a better relationship with my mom nice. since it's awesome it's just we're honest we can talk to each other as people it's not this weird like i guess employee managerial <laughs> relationship yeah. but no yeah it, that it was it was one of those things where when we were specifically when we were up and coming before she got remarried we were kind of each other's flotation device and it was really nice because you know like we talked about this on one of our podcasts is our friday night rituals of how we go yeah. to georgio's pizza and blockbuster and mm-hmm. it'd either be a video game or a movie or both yes and we just do our thing it was yeah. really nice with that level of loss at such a young age whenever you lost your grandfather what how did that scenario look were you was that something that was you all were prepared for was it something that was sudden what did that kind of look like it was both um his dementia had gotten worse and worse um thankfully when i sat him down and tell his war stories the the one good thing about his dementia is he would tell the same story a couple of times but he would tell it a little bit differently or add a little something so as the filmmaker i am now it's i get multiple takes <laughs> but yeah it was one of those things where after we moved is not long after that when he started to really kind of deteriorate with that like with his dementia and so we go up probably like once every month or month or two and just see him my aunt moved in with him just to help take care of him and it was hard to see him like that but the one thing and they never diagnosed him as alzheimer's and i truly don't think it was alzheimer's but the good thing is even when he i don't feel like he really knew who we were he still had this warmth in his face he knew we were family yeah somehow in some form and it was just one of those things where I went to, it was in 2009, and I um, I went on the EF Tours trip with uh, Glenn Academy and, you know, a bunch of my classmates. actually how me and Ashley met. Nice. But um, he died literally the day after I got back. Oh, wow. And it was really shocking and sudden, but it was also one of those things where by that point, he really, it's not that he wasn't there, it was just, he wasn't him. Yeah. No, I get and that. And so, I, I mean, I wish he was still here. I wish yeah. we got a few more years, or Absolutely. a few more months at least, but still, it's just that's one I handled a bit better because it was just like, it happened. I'm sad, but I'm grateful for the fact that I was able to cherish that time mm-hmm. because I had, I, I had this really weird dream about a year before he died where it was, we were in his backyard. He, he used to li- live over in uh, Druid Hills and oh, okay. um, gone Christmas lane. And uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, it was weird cause we were in his backyard and this portal popped up like this, like not Dr. Strange, but like the game, video game portal. Yeah. It's, it was weird. It just opened up and he was in a suit and very well dressed. And he's like, all right, pal, I got to go. And I was just like, where you got to go? He's like, you'll, you'll know, you'll know soon. And he's like, but take care. I love you. And it was weird. Cause it was such a, like a routine sounding conversation, but then I woke up and it really hit me yeah. that he's not going to be around forever. I need to really understand that. Yeah. And I'm grateful for that. Nice. That little nice. bit of brain chemistry that happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how did your creativity, did you use your creativity and your artwork as an outlet? Like, I know you talked about it a little bit more, but let's delve into that. Yeah. And like, from here, we're just going to go, we're going to go uphill from now. Sure, yeah. How did your creativity, did that help you as you were growing up with all that loss? Like, I know we talked about it a little bit earlier, but what other ways did that creativity help you? Yeah, um... A lot of in like my either my storytelling, whether it be a script or like a short story or whatever, or not so much my artwork, but like definitely like when it turned in terms of the storytelling stuff, like I guess death and loss were things that were present with that. But I always come at it from like a hopeful we the the show must go on kind of aspect. Yeah. And each time, you know, I I may have revisited it a little too frequently, but it was one of those things where. Each time I felt a little bit better about everything and it just seemed like something where it's like, okay, it sucks, but I can do this. And mm-hmm. I think that honestly ultimately prepared me for when I lost my grandfather because it's like, okay, we knew it was going to happen at some point. It's here. Let it happen. There's um, there's a great Louis C.K. quote where he talks about how he was driving in L.A. And so, at some point and he just was he was overcome by this string of like depression and sadness and he pulls his car over and he just cries his eyes out like he looks at his phone because he's like well i could just call somebody and then like get just distracted away from him but he's like no i'm gonna sit here and just let this moment wash all over me and 
I thought that was such a profound thing because he said afterwards he felt so much stronger because mm-hmm. he's like, I did it. That's a part of me. I expressed that. You know, it, like you go that part of vulnerability. I think that's that's a big thing in my creativity is I explore vulnerability a lot. Yeah. Because my favorite stories are when characters are not, you know, star-spangled perfect, you know. <laughs> it, it, you know, they, they have something they have to work for and they have mm-hmm. to win over and it's not easy. Yeah. Yeah, like, like just one small example with... Um, my World War II short, I played a character in it, mm-hmm. and I chose to play the character because I was not about to tell any of my friends to play this, but I played a character who was racist towards Asian people. Oh, wow. His, his, I, I, historically, this probably doesn't work out, but I had it where his wife was a nurse at Pearl Harbor and was killed in the bombing, oh, so wow. he's very angry towards Japanese people. And it was weird because I feel like if I didn't have that like kind of childlike naivete, I wouldn't have just gone for it, yeah. especially now with politically correct culture and everything but i just went for it the the asian actress uh, who was with us was completely understanding and because i'd say some nasty ass shit to her but yeah. she was completely understanding of the context and what's cool about it is by the end of the story he has this one-on-one moment with her like she helps like patch up a wound or something he receives and she basically says to him we're not all like them mm-hmm. and that really sticks with him and he ultimately sacrifices himself to save her like i didn't do his like disoberly moment. it's not like platoon but it's just like he does like he does like basically provide cover fire while she runs out of the way and i just i've always enjoyed seeing those things where you know seeing people who can be redeemed mm-hmm. even if they're doing some fucked up shit yeah so nice yeah. what's something that's been on your mind recently that you would like to talk about well, the thing is, my brain doesn't really turn off, <laughs> and that—that's something I actually I've uh, been talking about with my therapist. Like, a couple, I, I actually just completed a string of like a stint of therapy recently. Nice. Very helpful and very like eye opening. I feel like I'm a much better. Thank you. It's actually too. I need to talk about that. I, I did too. Yeah, it was really cool. I didn't know you finished yours. I that's didn't awesome. finish it, but like what right. I went for therapy for, I actually like. I sat down with the person that the thing had happened with and we talked and I actually talked to that person again today and they had some stuff to say and it was really healthy. It was really, really like, I, yeah, I haven't like, that's huge. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So I actually just recently finished, like I say finished, but like I conquered that mountain. I've conquered that mountain. Yeah. Yeah, I can put that in, I can close that book up. And uh, let me ask you this. Yes. When that happened for you, do you did you just feel this profound sense of like a weight was lifted off, or just like okay, I'm done with this now? It felt like an emptiness for me. Really, an emptiness that was, and it wasn't a negative emptiness. Okay, yeah. It was like something had been taken away from me. Like you just had an organ removed. Or yeah, something. but yeah. it was like <laughs> I had more lightness about me. I was like, cool. Like, what's next? Like, what's next? Because I'm still in a relationship with that person. Like that relationship now that that's been taken care of, all that negativity there can be room for growth and looking back on it i think because that thing was there now i can start that rock isn't where that rock isn't in the ground where we can plant something in this relationship with that person so it's really like reclaimed yeah you've reclaimed that and it's really cool and because there's been even though i haven't felt like there's a lot of there was a lot of anger with this person on other levels mm-hmm. because that main thing that had happened has been taken care of. Now it's very much more of a, I can, I can separate the negativity that I've presented that is not about what the current subject is. That negativity that yeah. I was presenting was from something long time ago that I didn't really understand was still there. So now that that's gone, I've had room to grow. And that person, I've been talking to them, they have been going on their own little journey. So it's been really cool to see that level of growth within my own life and to see... I'm really glad you said that because I have totally like... I just was like, because I'm always doing something. I'm someone you didn't have time to sit there and absorb I, it. Yeah, yeah. I, I absorbed it. Like right when it happened, I was like, cool, that's awesome. But now that I'm, I'm so far removed from it, now I'm like, oh my God, like... That's like a feat. Like, I need to be more proud of that. Like, that's something that I was able a to accomplish. Step. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No, yeah, I, 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 I totally get that. That's, I, not to get into specifics, it's just like, I had a similar dynamic and it was, it wasn't so much that the other person was there, but I just figured out a way, like you said, to separate it. And mm-hmm. I had a, I had a wonderful therapist a couple years ago, uh, 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 Tamar uh, Plant, mm. my friend Owen's wife. Yeah. She's wonderful, has a baby now. I'm so happy for him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she really helped me figure out a way to kind of, at the time at least, be able to separate things. Mm-hmm. But then working with Carol and my therapist now, 
she she just figured out a way to talk about it. She basically took what Tamar did and built up on it. And nice. it was just, it was one of those things where I really got to see the other person as a person mm-hmm. and understand that like whatever insecurities or anything that they're pushing on me or vice versa, it's just a product of like our experience. We all experience things differently. Yeah. And there, you know, it's just a matter of separating that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I also, um, I, I realized that my brain was being drastically overworked. Mm-hmm. Like it's ba- the best way I can think of it is it's like a PC that's being overclocked. Yes. And it's just burning out and you don't have enough cooling in there. I'm getting super nerdy with this. I know I'm not even really much of a computer nerd. You be you. (laughs) But but yeah, it's, it's, it's just like burning the candle at both ends kind of deal. Yeah. But she helped me. I'm taking some natural supplements. Like not, she didn't want me to take uh, Prozac or anything like that. I took that in the past and it just made me feel worse. Mm -hmm. And she said, you don't need that. You just need to basically shut your brain the fuck up. And I'm like, yeah, I do. (laughs) And you know, I can uh, basically, I actually want to do an illustration of this where Mm -hmm. it's like the way I can best describe it is, okay, you see my phone right here. Sorry, listeners, but you see my phone right here. Um, and Captain America here, because I'm a nerd, um, is going to be me on the bed. Yes. So the lights go off. I've turned the TV off. I'm now trying to sleep. And then it's almost like these kind of like yeah. arms come up from beneath. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's not even like I feel like there's a creature standing on me. Or yeah. I'm not that far gone. But you know, <laughs> but it's like, I just have these lingering thoughts. Like all these, the best way I can think of it as you're like, it's like you're standing on a balcony in an intersection. And these there are these cars just whizzing by and you hear the music playing from every single one of the cars. And it's like, you can't really latch on to anything because it's all going. It can be overwhelming. Yeah. But if you just sit back and relax and just accept it, mm-hmm. it kind of just goes by it's just traffic going by Mm -hmm. and i started doing that i can actually finally get to fucking sleep now yeah i'm drinking a lot less Mm -hmm. which is very great yeah and (laughs) you know i just i feel like i have a much more grounded perspective on things that's not to say i'm not freaking out about things right now right i'm in the midst of pre-production you know we're approaching the fundraising period which is like hey i'm 26 years old i need 2.6 or 2.5 million dollars to make a movie Mm -hmm. that's not something your average 26 year old is doing yeah but i'm not going into it so much like oh god am i gonna fuck this up like seriously the the self-doubt is the biggest thing that plagued me Mm -hmm. but now it's just like you know It'll be great. Um, this is, uh, you told me beforehand that this is like a therapy session. It really is. Oh, yeah. No, like, yeah, it really, sure. I didn't think that. I was like, oh, cool. Oh, yeah. No, I was, yeah, no, I wasn't bullshitting. Get heady. <laughs> yeah. Um, so within creativity, and you talked a little bit earlier about finding like Star Wars and Raiders and all the movies. How does, and that's something we talk about a lot, is how film has really spoken to us or different forms of art have spoken to us. How has art helped you? Because that's something you talk about a lot. Like what what art, how, and what did that do for you? How did that help you through your process? Well, for me, The Force Awakens, like many other people, was like, oh my God, Star Wars is back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was the movie I was the most hyped for that year. And I saw it without, I saw the teaser trailer. That was it. I went in pretty much cold outside of that. And I haven't had that much fun in a movie ever. And a little bit of personal stuff with that is the biggest thing with that movie, more so than the movie itself, is it felt like I got to sit down and watch the movies again with my parents because I originally saw them on a VHS player in my room and coming, and then I wore the tapes down because I watched them so many freaking times. (laughs) But with The Force Awakens, there's this weird thing, you know, some may call it divine intervention, some may call it just coincidence. I don't care what it is. I just am glad it happened. Yeah is every single time I saw The Force Awakens, which I saw five times, which I don't go to movies multiple times usually. That's a very rare occasion. Every time I saw it, there was a seat open next to me. And it was just like, my dad was there. Yeah. And the, the moment where it really washed over me that that was an on a reoccurring theme was my mom and I went to go see it, just me and her on the Island Theater. And there was a seat open. And I, I actually tweeted J.J. Abrams afterwards. I was just like, you know, for two hours, it was me and my parents sitting there watching the movies again. Yeah. It was really nice because it was a homecoming, like I yeah. said. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like, that Star Wars has always been that, that like, mm-hmm. kind of, like, I can go back to that. Or yeah. that's my safe place to go to. Same with Raiders. Um, I wanted to point yes. out, the we went to go see Godzilla, King of Monsters. And that was really cool. Uh, we were able to go to a premiere here in Atlanta and... The same thing happened where I was... Both times I saw it. Oh, you saw it twice? Oh my gosh, that's crazy. That's wild. 
Thank you for that. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. Um, this kid loves kaiju films. Loves Boy. them. Boy. Like, oh my god, loves them. Boy. And so we went to go see... <laughs> we went to go see... I almost said God of War. We went to go see oh. Godzilla, pretty much. We went to go see Godzilla and... I for some reason I don't know why I was like let's sit towards the end and like I was gonna sit like right in the middle and then he was gonna sit at the very end but for some reason I was like I'm gonna sit on the side and then you told me that whole thing about your dad and like being able to have being able to go to movies and like there's generally always a seat next to you it's really weird yeah. it, it's in a beautiful way yeah. yeah and one thing with Godzilla specifically and another point where I reached out to somebody is. And one of my favorite things about this new Godzilla is that you bring back the old music. Like, it's Godzilla's, like, uh, from the Ishiro Honda film. It's the theme from that. It's um, Mothra's theme. Um, I think I think that's about it. They do a couple other little motifs with Bear McCreary, who mm-hmm. also did the music for God of War. Yes. Um, he, what was cool is he kind of did, did, like, a Hans Zimmer thing with the Godzilla theme, where he kind of just added this extra oomph to it. Like, mm-hmm. he's got this, like, uh, like Japanese, like, like kind of shouting choir with it. It sounds like dragon shouts from Skyrim. <laughs> but it's like, he, he just added this oomph to it, and I'm like, yeah, this is badass. <laughs> but what was cool was with Mothra's theme, it's a lot more, like, small and kind of feminine, but, like, powerful, and it grows. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I knew the Godzilla theme was coming, but hearing the Mothra theme, like, I was fucking emotional because it's like, again, it brings me back to that point. And yeah. I actually tweeted Bear McCreary and told him exactly that. It's like, I, you know, for two hours, my dad was back and I appreciate that. And he, yeah. he responded and he was really sweet. And he said he appreciated that. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's it, you know, I, I've never been a Twitter person until the past couple of years, mm-hmm. but it's like, I've been just saying, you know, Maybe it's in the naivete, but I've kind of just thrown the whole, like, hesitation to the wind. It's like, yeah. you know, if I have a question for one of my heroes or something, I just fucking tweet them. Yeah. And I've been getting responses, which is kind of cool. Yeah. That's, so, cool. that's dope. <laughs> Actually, I want yeah, to add good, something good. from your earlier question. Um, but how art has helped me and kind of, it's like life imitating art slash art inspiring life. Um, I will say to my dying day, my... My very first crush was not Clarice in my preschool class, which she was my second, (laughs) but my first and always will be was Carrie Fisher. Not just as Princess Leia, but Carrie Fisher. And it it was sad because it was right before she died, I really started reading her books. Mm. And, you know, she had her issues and her problems. And what I was so inspired by was, you know, I, I have mental health issues. She may have had a few more severe ones than I did, but... You know, she owned it. Mm-hmm. She made it not a scary thing. She just said, this is who you are. And getting he- there's nothing wrong with wanting to get help and get clarity on this yeah. stuff. And so when she passed away, it really kicked me in the chest. I actually was writing a cameo for her in the movie. Oh, wow. And I dedicated the script to her. Nice. Because she was a phenomenal writer. Um, she was just so honest. Mm-hmm. And I just... It helped that, you know, she was Princess Leia too. But, you know, it, it just really inspired me. And I think that's... I think that's what, like, kind of having hero figures is about. It's not about sitting there and worshipping an altar or something like that. It's about, like, what impact did they have that, you know, keeps the the ball rolling Mm -hmm. even when they're not there. And that's something Carrie Fisher did was inspire me to just be fearless as a writer. Yeah. And I don't think Raul would have been written without her. Mm -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. think I would actually really be as far as I am into the film without her. Yeah. So. What would you say to people... Like if you if you had an audience, mm-hmm. let's say you're, if you had an audience, sure. Like what something you would want to impart to them? Hmm, that's a good question. Stay true to who you are, no matter what, unless it's hurting people. Yeah. But you know, don't be afraid to be who you are. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with it, and you know, above all, be as good as you can be. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, uh, that's, I, I'm on the spot. So. No, it's okay. No, <laughs> but, what but is... just be. I guess be be genuine. Mm-hmm. Like genuine people are the key to happiness. What did the process of finding who you were? Are you still in that process? Like I find... definitely still think of finding yeah. that. I'm much more grounded. Like I feel like it's one of those things where it's almost like I'm. Oh, you good. It's almost like I'm floating. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of got my feet mostly on the ground, but there's still a little bit of like, you know, it's kind of moon gravity, I guess. But yeah, I feel more confident with who I am than I ever have been, you know, just through like what I've lived in the past couple of years and really growing into my own. 
were there any specific moments or events in life that kind of help you get towards that? Like as an adult, like who you are or what, what was that journey kind of like? Because I know you said in college, you very much were like, I don't know what the fuck I am. Like what the shit. Yeah. And I just want to like wallow in it basically. Yeah. Um, two things. One, I'm not going to name names, mm-hmm. but for the longest time, I held a lot of pain and to a certain extent resentment and anger towards uh, my ex, who I did before Ashley. And because I just didn't have any answers and I just didn't know how it was the first time I loved somebody it was just really processing that was just really fucking hard for me because I was just kind of left in the dark if I'm honest but and it come you know art imitating life I um I was originally writing the ex-girlfriend character who's a pivotal part in my script as the you know kind of Sarah Marshall bitchy bullshit you know the villainous Mm -hmm. ex yeah but by the time I actually got to where she comes into the movie, I had a conversation with my ex um, where we really just put everything out on the table. It was actually really nice. Um, and I just kind of, I grew up and I just really came at it from the angle of like, she wasn't trying to hurt me. I wasn't trying to like make her life difficult or anything. We both were just really young and we didn't know what we were doing. And there was a lot of powerful emotions in place. Yeah. And we're people. Mm-hmm. And so I went and took the character from being Sarah Marshall character. Who I just wrote her as a person. Yeah. And I had, I had a very good friend who helped inspire some of the, some of the details with that just to make it a little bit more like movie like yeah. or cinematic. But yeah, I guess that was the big wake up call for me. Cause it's like, wow, I beat that. Mm-hmm. You know, I beat this fucking drag. I slayed this dragon. That's been like guarding the tunnel to like, the the end the way out of like you know this mountain and figuring out who I am and I did it and I was just like okay yeah not in like a cocky way but I'm like yeah I this. it's like I you can know? I've I've healed from this hurt and this pain and now that I've patched up like what's next yeah it's it's, it's a part of me but it's like it's a good thing mm-hmm. like I grew from it yeah. I think that's that's a big thing is just growing from where you are and just always being always being open to learning new things or new perspectives because yeah. it's like you never know what might change your thinking a little bit mm-hmm. that's why i say it's listen to everybody like if you listen you can hear things that they may not pick up and you can help them or you, they can help themselves that's why i talk all the time it's because <laughs> like i'm like i'm a stupid motherfucker like but like i won't talk and then as i hear myself i'm like okay this makes sense probably shouldn't say that that's stupid let's do this okay then that that works this person reacts better to this and then it's listening and hearing and then also being able to share. Yeah. Like it's, it's a really real thing that I feel like we're really afraid to do right now. It's hard to do because you don't know who you can trust. Yeah. And that's very true. And you should always have your guard up, but at the same time, that's where vulnerability comes in. And there is a lot of growth in vulnerability. Yeah. There's sometimes you have to go through something that's very, you have to break the wall down. You have to walk through fire, walk through fire or let it, just let it come. Like, you can't always defend yourself from things. There's a... Uh, have you ever read um, The Road by Cormac McCarthy? I've not. I read that, actually, the same year that the, um, my ex and I broke up and whatnot. And I'm a lo- I love father-son stories, as you can probably mm, tell. Yeah. But um, I loved that one because it was just so... I mean, Cormac McCarthy wrote it for his son at mm-hmm. the time. And, uh, well, he's still his son, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, um, there's this great quote. Cause it's like, po- it's like end of the world, post-apocalyptic, some fucking terminators and shit. It's literally just like, it's, I think they, it's either like, an, they never say what it was, but it's mm-hmm. like either some sort of like nuclear disaster or some sort of thing where basically everything's a barren wasteland. Okay. And it's basically in the, in the movie, it's Viggo Mortensen who played Aragorn in oh, Lord nice. of the Rings and, yeah. um, Cody Smith McPhee who plays his son who is Nightcrawler in the newer X-Men Okay, movies. cool. And uh, he's just guiding his son through this and trying to just show him how to survive. And there's a beautiful quote that comes up that, like, I'm not necessarily the guy who wants to get quotes tattooed on him, but mm-hmm. this would be one I would consider if I did it. Is um, the boy is ta- and they're never named. So it's the boy talking to his father, and he just basically says, uh, or the the, uh, the father says, you know, you uh, you gotta keep carrying the fire. 
He's like, what fire? The fire inside you. It's, you know, the whole thing is about you keeping going and everything. Mm. It was just like, you know, and it comes back at the end of the book. Spoilers. um, (laughs) The father does die and the boy is on his own. And he finds this other family. And, you know, even knowing the end of this, like, you need to, like, experience this story. It's incredibly powerful. He experienced, he finds this, like, man with his wife and two kids and they have a dog. And the man's genuine. You know, they have to have their guard up all the time, like we were talking about. And it's like... He's got his father's pistol. He's pointing at the guy. He doesn't know who the fucking guy is. You know, he could be a cannibal or something. Yeah. And he's got the gun pointed at him. And the guy's just trying to basically make it clear to him, like, you have nothing to worry about. We care. You're a kid. We saw you with your father. Come with us. We'll mm-hmm. keep you safe. And it comes back around when he says, sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good, dude. Um, he says, um, are you carrying the fire? Mm. And it takes the guy a minute for it to click with what it is. But the guy says, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, ends up going with them. I actually used um, Nick Cave and Warren Ellis did the music for it. And it's I actually used a lot of the music from The Road in my World War II movie. Nice. And that's the theme that we close out on. It's called The Beach. Mm-hmm. And it's this beautiful, subtle piano track. That's so It's so lonely, but so hopeful. Yeah. And, yeah. Nice. If you had to recommend... What piece of art would you recommend most... Oh, to anybody are you talking like movies or anything 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 oh god <laughs> <laughs> um in terms of i'll do two things yes actually three okay in terms of actual artwork like mm-hmm. paint and canvas look at anything drew Struzan has painted he famously did all the star wars indiana jones posters he did back to the future mm. he's He's my art god, yeah. Stephen Butler, who we talked about. Yeah. But um, yeah, he's just you look at like if to me, if you want to see what imagination is and remember what imagination is, because we all had it when we were kids. It just yeah. like in one form or another, it either fizzled out or reappeared in some form. But if you want to remember what imagination was like through the eyes of a kid, look at anything Drew Struzan has ever painted. There's an amazing documentary on him called Drew Behind the Poster. It's my favorite thing to watch. Nice. Like check that out. Um. With film, I'm going to go with, I think, my all-time favorite movie, which is The Shawshank Redemption. Because, mm-hmm. again, it's a, it's a, I mean, Redemption's in the freaking title. <laughs> but it, it's such a profound story about, like, overcoming things, even when you're not necessarily the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And it's really, and just finding hope in the most unlikely places, it's 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 the greatest movie ever nice. freaking made. And then as far as music... Now, obviously, you and Lane are much more musically inclined <laughs> than I am. But um, and I'm not going to be... Even though I love them, I'm not going to be... Go listen to anything what that one did. <laughs> um, I'm going to bring it all around and just be like, listen to anything John Williams yeah. has done. Particularly what he did for the very first Star Wars movie. Yeah. Obi-Wan's theme, the Force theme, my favorite... Oh my god, okay. I'm. Why did you get me so fucking emotional on this Whoa, shit? Dude. Okay. I actually made a short film involving this piece of music, but my favorite track from uh, A New Hope, the original Star Wars, it's called Binary Sunset. Mm -hmm. And it's when Luke is trying, he wants to go join the Academy, but his uncle's like, stay on for another season, I need you. But you said that last year. Well, it'll be different next year. He's like, you know, yeah, at this rate, I'm never going to get off this rock. And he's just feeling hopeless and like everything. And he goes up to the top of like their their, uh, moisture farm. And you see the twin sun setting, and it's that beautiful do 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 do. You know, it really picks up, and that's such an in, impactful piece of music. Not just because it's this beautiful John Williams crescendo of like epicness, mm-hmm. but it's dissecting it. It's the last time like Luke thinks his life is never going to get exciting, yeah. and that's the last day before his life changes forever. Before he meets Obi Wan Kenobi, before his par- his uncles aunt and uncle are murdered, and he starts on the path of becoming the Jedi he ends up becoming. And like that music is just such, every time I hear it, I get teary eyed because it's just like, it's that a new age is beginning. Yeah. And Jesus, I just got goosebumps <laughs> about it. Like, uh, uh, before you leave, real. I want to show you the short film I did. Yeah. yeah it's called, I want to watch it. It's called parting and it was a tribute to my dad. Yeah. And, um, I still have his glasses. Nice. And uh, motherfucker had some really bad vision. Like those are thick guys. <laughs> well, he was ten years old. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But basically, wait. Uh, my 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 friend Nicole Lewis helped me film this. It was probably, God, it was five years ago. 
we went to Jekyll Island and we had to do it before sun came up and it was uh I'm in the video and it's basically it's me walking up and I just have all this insecurity I mean I'm no fucking like you know amazing actor but I was just trying to just do who I was and I you know, I was really channeling it. The music kind of, like, it's the harp. It kind of starts to climb. I walk out into the thing. The music builds. I look at the sun. It cuts back to me. I, I very much mimicked how the scene is shot in the movie. Mm. But what I do is I sit my grand or my grandfather, sit my dad's glasses down on the shore side, and I leave. Mm. And, yeah, it's like a minute long, and nice. that's all I need to say. And with yeah. a little additive to it is I was so happy that we got the shot. Because I looked over the shot, I'm like, oh my god, we did it! And we left. I left my dad's glasses oh, on snap. the shore. I, I didn't realize this until we already got back to St. Simon's. I dropped Nicole off and everything. I'm like, fuck. So I race over to Jekyll, and they're there. Oh god. Right? <laughs> oh god. I literally just was like, oh, what the fuck? Yeah. Oh my god. But yeah, no, so, you know, I, I'm not necessarily a religious person, but you know, shit happens. Yeah. Just, <laughs> shit trying, happens. You know, <laughs> well, that, it's just like, it's also one of those things where I'm like, instead of sitting here trying to figure, like, trying to identify what it is, I'm just like, it is what it is, and you I'm just glad it. it happened. You accept it, yeah. Yeah, acceptance is very nice. It washes over you. Yeah. So now, yeah. Matt, is the time of the podcast where we ask you the question from our previous guests. Um, yeah. Would you like to know who our previous guest yes, is? Yes, please. I will not tell you because for those of you listening, you need to go back and listen to the last episode. Plugging it like it's meant to be. It's good. Whatever the fuck that was. It's like. good. <laughs> <laughs> so our question from our previous guest for you, Matt, is what is it you need to be happy and what are you doing to get it? I heard a little Wakanda when you did that. What yeah. What are you doing to get it? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. You don't have to answer, like, you can take a moment if you need to. Yeah, give me a moment. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Rattle that around for a minute. Okay. That was a tough one, and I'm still not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. But the thing that came to mind immediately in terms of why I need to be happy is I need two things. I need to feel a sense of purpose and not like in some like you are serving God or anything like that. But like in the sense of like what I'm doing, even if like it's not a legacy thing, but like what I'm doing is going to help somebody else, Mm -hmm. like in the ways that all this other stuff has helped me. So like, I guess sum that up a bit better um, is to create some things, create things that help people or mm-hmm. move people. Mm-hmm. The second thing is to find my family mm. or have a family. Yeah. And what I'm doing to do that is I'm telling stories that are very personal to me. I have fun with them too. They can be fun and I'll do cool shit. <laughs> but uh, That's a stab at me from the <laughs> previous podcast episode. I mean, I, I, sincerely, I sincerely mean that, though. Yeah, but, yeah, no. um, You know, I'm thinking of stories and what they mean to people and what they what what stuff means to me and how I can make things that mean stuff to other people. I mean, one of my favorite things, and this is one of the most gratifying moments in my life in the past few years, and I'm not trying to put you on a pedestal oh, here. Oh, God. But, uh, I'm about to, like, throw you on a pedestal in a second. When you, when I sent you the script before we did our table read, yeah. and you called me, you weren't like crying, no. but you clearly were very emotional, yeah. and you told me about the very specific beats in the script that yeah. hit you. Yeah, and I just was like, "Wow, no, that's literally, that's what I want. That's, that's all I've ever wanted." And that's what I was about to say. It's just like <laughs> reading that script, and I was, jeez, why don't we begin? Reading that script, I was in, uh, where was I at? You're in New Orleans. I was in New Orleans, yeah. yeah. I was in New Orleans, and I had a lot of downtime. And I'd started reading it, I would, like, take a little bit of time, and I'd just, like, finish it all one morning. And I remember, because I talked to you, and then I called Lane right after that. Oh, no way, yeah, really? Yeah, I literally called you, and then after I, we had our conversation, I called Lane. Um, the main character is so... I don't want to use the word relatable. I could see myself in him, even though I hadn't experienced the same things. That story of being hurt and having resentment and not really knowing what to do from that 
and trying to find a place of healing is such a universal thing that I it it fucking grabbed me. And then God, I'm like as I'm thinking about it, more shit happens and like or like just stuff keeps coming back and there's a specific scene between two characters where one is just trying to he makes his acceptance. He wants to be heard. He wants to be heard and he makes himself heard in his own way. And it's such it's such a powerful thing that I was talking to that person that had hurt me. Like, I'm going through this process of healing for myself. I can tell you this is what you did to me and this is how I feel about it and this is the pain and anger that I have. But I can't control how you respond to it. I am only in control of how I deal with the pain and the hurt and how I process that. And the way you wrote that sequence fucking hit me, dude. Like, it fucking hit me. And it's just so... It's so powerful because it's so raw and real. And knowing the backstory between those characters and how it is, I want to talk about it. And like knowing how I'm not, I'm not going to. I'm I was going to say you can like beat around it. Yeah, no, I'm, this is as much as I'm going to beat around it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm minimum editing. It's such, and it also helps me articulate. I just realized that. I love that word. It's, I'm going to use it again. You articulate that process in such a powerful way that the reader, the viewer, you feel it. And like, I was laying on that couch. Like I don't cry a lot, but I was like, like you said, I was like close to tears. Like that shit. Like I'm not someone I don't cry ever. Or like often it's very rare, but like, it's the feeling of that shit. Like that's some real fucking shit. No, I'm just cursing. <laughs> I don't cry. I curse. I don't cry. I curse. <laughs> My man. Fuck, <laughs> dude. Yeah, it's just, it was such a real, and to go on that journey with that character, it was such a real thing that it just spoke to me. And I think it's going to reach a lot of fucking people. And that's one of, I love, that's one of the things I love about creative people is it's, we're very creative, but it's not just about us. It's not just like, what can I do? There's depth. Like, there's so much depth to it. And depending on who that person is, their creativity looks different and reaches different people in different aspects. But what you've done, you were able to take something and take, I don't want to say a message, just this this thing that transcends groups and all of that. And it's just a very real, these are emotions. I will be heard. Yeah, these are emotions. I will be heard. But these are things that everyone feels. You wrap it up with such a beautiful bow that it's it's beautiful. It's so fucking beautiful. Well... Oh my! (laughs) I really, really appreciate like your. That's exactly what I was writing. I mean that that scene came from a real experience that happened to me, and that's the thing is there's another scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's not one of the heavy hitting scenes, but you know the scene. It's the one we've laughed about the most. (laughs) Yes. I'm sorry to keep the audience in the dark. You'll see the movie. But uh, I've had more people ask me because I, you know, I've told them about all these other real experiences, and it's like, did that happen? I was like. Hell no. Yeah. But no, that the one you're talking about, that was actually the hardest scene for me to write mm-hmm. because even more so than the scene that immediately follows that. Yeah. Because it was I basically took the took the moment that actually occurred, but I had to end it on the note I wish it ended on. Mm-hmm. And it was really hard because it's two characters confronting each other, but I have to it can't just be from a place of anger. It has to be like there needs to be some resolution with this. Yeah. And I'm just, like I said, I'm just moved that you were moved. Mm-hmm. That it's very gratifying to know that something that was very deep and personal and raw for me, like spoke to somebody. It's not yeah. just me like, look at me. Fucking island. But yeah, yeah, that's, that's my ultimate goal. And as far as the family goes, I'm working on that. That's all I'm going to say about Matt. Yes. Now's the time of the show where you get to ask our next guest a question. What right. is that question? One of my favorite movies last year was Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. And there's an amazing line that Peter B. Parker says to Miles when he's just like, how will I know I'm Spider-Man? And he says, you won't. It's a leap of faith. Nothing else. And that I won't, like that's another one that's, if I ever got a quote tattooed on me, it's a leap of faith is one of those. Yeah. But I guess to your next guest, 
what is your leap of faith? Mm. And oh, what will shit. it do for you? Oh my God, say it again one more time. Just <laughs> hit, it, hit us with that question one more time because you better rock somebody's world. <laughs> what is your leap of faith and what will it do for your life? Nice. Awesome. Matthew Colvin. Jeremiah Stevenson. Thank you so much for being on this episode of Perspectives. It's been an honor to be a part of this. I know you've been waiting for it for a while and I've been telling, I'm like, dude, I'm going to have you on a little bit. I'm going to get you up there. But I think this has been, I don't know, this is, this feels like a really good, like. Meaty. (laughs) Yeah, it's meaty, but it just, it's, this is supposed to be. You can find me and Jeremiah on Instagram at ParkourGeek. That's P-A-R-K-O-U-R-G-3-3-K. You can find me on YouTube at a token stake, A T O K E N apostrophe S T A K E. I have some more content up uh, beginning of October. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook at Jeremiah Stevenson. But I'm not gonna fucking add you because I don't fucking know you, Matt. <laughs> what would you like to plug <laughs> as a close out? <laughs> um, you can follow me on Instagram at Art of Matthew. It's it used to just be an art page, but now it's a little bit of everything. Um, I'm on Vero at Matt. I think it's Matt.Colvin. Just look at Matt Colvin. It's the one that's with the illustrated portrait. That's me. Um, you can really follow the production of the movie there. I'm posting stuff as we go. Um, I got to plug our other podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Com- Common Sense, which you, is available on iTunes, Anchor, Google Play. Just look up Common Sense Podcast. It's the one with me and Jeremiah's faces as pennies. And it's great. He actually drew the artwork for it. super dope. Thank you. And I, I really enjoy doing that podcast because it's fun. Because like you, you just experienced it where I'm yeah. just like, here's some hard-hitting questions. Tell me about your fucking life. <sighs> and then I can come here and we're just like, yeah, so that motherfucker on Spider-Man last week was crazy, man. What the fuck MCU see you doing? That's crazy. Like, it's really nice to be able to go in between those two. Yeah, go through like, the heavy shit and yeah, the nerdy and shit. The nerdy yeah. shit yeah. Um, we're, we're on uh, Twitter at Podcast Sense. Mm-hmm. And then we're on Instagram at Common Sense, or excuse me, we're on Instagram at Common underscore Sense. Sweet. We'll see you in the next episode. Be love, be life, be. Oh, this way.